1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, and it reads, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare. Come on, Baltimore, somebody say rare. That means not a lot of people heard from God at that time. Those days, there was no widespread revelation, and it came to pass at that time, Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. He answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He said, I didn't call you, go lie down. And when he lay down, then the Lord yet called him again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Samuel said, I did not call you, my son, lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So here's what's happening. God is calling Samuel, the young boy, the priest in the temple. But Samuel didn't know how to recognize the voice of God, so he thought the head priest, Eli, was the one that was calling him. So he's running to Eli. He said, what, did you call me? And Eli said, no, uh, you're, you're, you're making this up. Go back and lie down. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am. You definitely called me. Eli finally perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Can you say that when we say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears? By the way, that's why we're here. We're here for him to speak to us. Come on, how many people you're here to get a word from God? I didn't just come here because I didn't have nothing to do on a Sunday. I didn't just tune in because I'm bored and there's nothing on Netflix to watch. I came to hear God speak to me. So Samuel lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called at all the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered. He said, speak for your servant hears. Here's the phrase I love. Then the Lord said to Samuel. I, I, I love putting myself in scripture. Can we say that? But instead of saying Samuel, can you say your name out loud? Come on, let's try it. So the Lord said to Stephen. Come on, it was almost good. Come on, BWI. Come on, Baltimore County Online. Say it one more time. So the Lord said to Stephen. He wants to speak to you. He, he wants to speak directly to you. Hey, let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this time that we have in your presence. It may say presumptuous to say that you're here, but you said in your word, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, that's where you will be. There's more than two people here, which means you've showed up, God. You didn't show up because you just like church. I don't even know if you like church. I think you like us. And you came to heal and to deliver and to bring hope and healing and take us one step closer to the purpose, the plan that you have for us. So God, we preemptively make the decision that when you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Come on, somebody shout amen. Oh, that was weak. Somebody shout amen. amen. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped, I'm pumped. It is day eight of our 21 days of prayer. And I am telling you, first of all, I'm gonna tell y'all to scream for a second. You, you gotta understand, when 6 a.m. prayer is happening at the building and there's room for us to encounter God, you gotta know that the Union Church staff has been up since 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock, getting in the building hours before you, making sure everything is ready for thousands of people to watch online for us to pray over these days. Can you put your hands together? Can you thank our team, our staff, for your sacrifice, for creating a place for people to encounter God? I've been blown away every single day, buildings packed out. How many people you made it to prayer? Come on, we're going to shame you in church. How many people? I'm so proud of you. If you didn't make it to prayer, I'm not proud of you. <laughs> Ooh, judgment. That's okay. You have 14 more days. There's one moment you can make it. Here's what I'm asking, that you wouldn't just watch online, which is great. We have thousands of people watching prayer online, but that you would take the inconvenience to sacrifice of making it to one of our locations. It's just different. 
And I'm telling you, when you go out of your way to make room in your life to hear from God, he will speak to you in a way that you never even expected. I was talking to somebody say, Pastor, I would love to make it, but I have to be at work at 6 a.m. I watch online during my lunch break. Thank you for keeping the replay up. I said, great, 9 a.m. on Saturday. I will see you there because you're not working on Saturday. I'm saying maybe one day a week, just say, I'm going to be in that building, and I'm going to see if what Pastor said is true. Is God going to meet me in a different way? Over these eight days, I just feel revival stirring in my heart. Um, there's no way God does not bless our church the way we're seeking him. There's no way businesses don't explode. People who were told that they can't have children all of a sudden becoming pregnant. There's no way miracle signs and wonders don't break out in our church the way that we are pursuing God. If you're believing for a miracle in your life, can somebody shout Amen. I don't know about you, I ain't praying at 6 a.m. just for the exercise. I'm expecting heaven to respond. We've been in a series over the last three weeks called Do Not Disturb. Do Not Disturb. Stirring our hearts for a passion for prayer once again. I think today's message that I'm getting ready to teach you is possibly the most important thing I could ever teach you in life. And that is how to hear the voice of God for yourself. You got to understand, God wants to speak to you, and he wants to speak through you. We come to church to hear a word from God, and all week I'm praying, and I'm preparing a message to let you know, here's what God desires to say to us as a church, but hear me, it's not my job exclusively to hear from God. Matter of fact, and I'm getting ahead of myself, my only job is to teach you how to hear from God for yourself. Over the last 20 plus years, I've had so many encounters and followed so many men and women of God that have cultivated and taught me not only how to hear from God, but also how to recognize the voice of God. However, I do want to kind of just be honest and let you know, I have a little bit of a checkered past when it comes to hearing the voice of God. Just in case you research me or whatever it may be, I, I told you first, so don't say that you found something on me. I told you first. Actually, what happened was I was in high school back then. I was probably about 16, 17. And our youth group had gone to the MegaFest Youth Conference with Pastor T Bishop T.D. Jakes down in Atlanta. And I mean, it was nuts. It was revival. We got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was unbelievable. We had a tour bus of 60 kids, drove down to Atlanta, and then all night drove back. And I'm telling you, revival broke out on that bus. And this was revival back in the early 2000s, back in the 1990s. Not revival now. Oh, God's good. It was back in the days where you would get your DMX album and you would crack it for the Lord because that wasn't Jesus' music. And you would... That was revival, you know what I mean? Back in the day, kids bringing weed and just dropping it on the platform of the stage. And I ain't smoking no more. I belong to Jesus. That's revival. Going in their suitcase, pulling out all their ratchet clothes, throwing it out the window of the bus. I could only imagine what people were thinking driving behind our bus. Going through the phone, saying, it's over. I'm breaking up with you, deleting your number. I mean, it was like the purge. It was, anybody grew up in church like that where it's just like, you just lost your ever-loving mind. <laughs> We got back to church that night. It was about 11 o'clock at night, and uh, our parents were there to pick us up. Church was the next day, and y'all, I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you it was the Holy Spirit. We just lost our mind. We said, we're not going home. We're going to stay at church all night long. We're going to pray. You can come and pick us up, and we're like, y'all stink. You need a babe. We're not. So they left us in the church that night, and we're crying, and we're praying, and it was, I mean, it was a mess. So church comes around the next day. We stand up, and isn't what I'm telling you, sometimes it's good to move churches, because when you stay in the church that you grew up in, there's people that remember back when you were dumb. And as I'm preaching, I want to preach over here, because Miss Ruth is sitting right here, and she was sitting there that Sunday 20-some years ago, so she could testify I'm not lying. We get up in church, and my dad, I don't know what he was thinking, but he handed me the mic. And he said, can you testify about what God has done at the youth conference? And I, I get up, tears are streaming down my face. I'm like, oh my gosh, God is so good. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I got called into ministry. I saw visions and dreams. And God told me the girl that I'm dating is my future wife. Yep. I said it. I'm that guy. Mr. God told me. I preach against guys like that, and yeah, I was that guy. And, and by the way, if, if you're dumb, 
that's okay. You're, you're welcome here at Union Church. You, you feel right at home. You cannot be as dumb as your pastor was. <laughs> you see, so dumb people, you, 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 you tell the girl, it's like, hey, I had a dream, and, and God told me that, that we're going to get married one day. That's dumb, by the way. Let God talk to her for yourself. But it's dumb squared when you don't just tell her. If you just tell her and she tells other people, you could deny you ever said it. She made that up. She just wants me. Ain't got nothing to do with it. I ain't said it. But when you stand up in front of the entire church and say that fool, that is your whole foot, ten and a half, down the aside. There's no coming back from that. Can I, can I get a little serious for a second? And just in case you're wondering where the story goes, it wasn't Pastor's eye that I was saying that about, so I was dead wrong. Great girl, she was awesome, just not the one that God had for me. But to get serious just for a second, I ended up staying in that relationship a lot longer than I should have. Because I had convinced myself that God said something that he had not said. And here I am trying to force the word of God to come to pass, something that I had made up in my emotions and in my immaturity because I could not recognize the voice of God. Y'all, it's a big deal to hear the voice of God. And it is a game changer for our life. And it's something that God has for every single one of us. But it's something that we must value in our life. Think about Joseph in the Bible. You remember Joseph, Jesus' stepfather? They laughed at the first, like, stepfather? Yeah, yeah, I mean, God Almighty was his father, so this was his stepfather. Joseph heard from God three different times that saved Jesus' life. If Joseph did not have the ability to hear from God, what would have happened to Jesus when he was a defenseless infant? Hearing from God can actually be a life and death situation. I don't know if you heard about the church. It was probably about 10 years ago in Denver, Colorado that had a church shooting. I actually know the pastor at that church, and he was at a conference speaking about the event after they had recovered from it. And he said there was actually somebody on their security team that the week before it took place in church, they heard from God. God told them, take three days, get away, and fast. This person got away for three days. They ate no food. They just fasted, and they prayed. And on the third day, God told them, put your uniform on. They were in law enforcement. Put your uniform on and go to church, but don't go in the auditorium. Sit in the lobby. They're like, this doesn't make any sense, but I'll do what I think God is telling me to do. Well, they sat in the lobby that day all throughout the day, and when that assailant came through that door in the lobby, yes, people lost their life, but they were able to stop the assailant before they got into the auditorium where all the people were. It was the voice of God that saved thousands of people's lives that day. Hear me. Not trying to scare you, but it's a big deal. Like, if we can recognize God's voice, he can help us avoid a lot of detours and make progress that we would not make without him. In this passage that we read in 1 Samuel chapter 3, there's a young boy by the name of Samuel. Samuel's mother was unable to have children. She was barren, and she cried out to God. She said, God, if you would give me the ability to have kids, I will give my son back to you. Well, God gave her a son, Samuel, and because she was faithful to a word, she dedicated her son. He moved into the temple, and she said, you will be a priest. You will serve God for the rest of your life. Just a side story that's not the message. The next time she went to God, God gave her six more children. She went from having none to having six. Here's why. Because when you give God your first, he blesses everything afterwards. So here is Samuel, a young boy. He's growing up in the temple. He was actually sleeping in the tabernacle. And one night he was sleeping. He heard his name called Samuel. The Bible says he had not yet heard the voice of God or learned to recognize the word of God. So he woke up and he assumed that it was Eli, his priest, that was calling him. So he wakes up and he runs to Eli and said, I heard you call me. Eli said, I didn't call you. He went back three times. He went to Eli and said, you definitely called me. I heard you speak. And it wasn't until Eli said, hey, that may not be you making it up. I think God is calling you, which tells me a few things. Here's the first thing, that before we learn to hear from God ourselves, oftentimes the voice of God sounds a lot like our pastor. We come to the house of God to hear the voice of God. And oftentimes, before you learn to recognize God's voice for yourself, it's the pastor's voice that is the voice of God for you. And hear me, that's not a bad thing. 
Like, I'm hoping the pastor of your church, I don't know about the pastor of my church, but I hope the pastor of your church can hear from God and is filled with the Spirit of God. Somebody say, amen. Here's where it gets funky. It gets funky when you've been in church for three years, five years, eight years, ten years, and you still don't know how to hear the voice for yourself. And you need a pastor to tell you what God has to say to you every single week. Hear me. It is not my job to hear from God for you. It is my job to teach you how to recognize the voice of God for yourself. I may be the pastor of this church, but you are the pastor of your home and the pastor of your job and the pastor of your family and of your neighborhood. And I need to hear the voice of God for you, but you need to hear the voice of God for the people that are connected to you. I'm gonna give you just three quick thoughts. I say that every single week, it's always three and it's never quick, but I wanna give you three quick thoughts of how do I recognize the voice of God? Today's message, I thought this was a little cheeky. Today's message is, can you hear me now? Remember those old, was it Sprint? The camera, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? The first thought is just write this down. We hear because we are sheep. We hear because we are sheep. Come on, Baltimore County. Before you can understand how to hear from God, you have to understand why I hear from God. As most of you know, uh, we just had our third child, Jade Mariah Chandler. She is five going on six weeks old, and I'm telling you, she is eating like it is her full-time job. I mean, this kid is growing, gaining weight like crazy. She's a little upside down, so she sleeps during the day and not at night at all. And all you people who have advice on how to get your baby to sleep at night, keep it to yourself. It's not working for us. <laughs> well, what you need to do is you need to be quiet, okay? Leave us alone. We'll figure it out by the time she's 18. But I'll tell you this, and I know I've never had a child, but I've watched my wife do it three times. And um, y'all, it's stressful. Like, it's insane. I'm not even being facetious or trying to be funny. If you know somebody who's pregnant, if your spouse is pregnant, pray for them. Because I honestly believe that there is an assault of fear against pregnancy that just sweeps. You can't read one blog. And that finds something that's going to tell you, oh, you, you, your stomach hurts because your kid's going to have six toes. That's the problem right there. You, you're going to have a six toe. Oh, 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 my goodness. You got heartburn. It means your kid's going to be bald-headed when they're born. That's the problem right there. And then you go to these checkups where they're just supposed to measure the baby, check the heartbeat and everything. And every single time, there's a different test for something that could go wrong. And if you're, you're one of those nurses that you, you do the sonograms and all that other kind of stuff, uh, God bless you. But can you do me a favor? Can you keep the murmurs to yourself? They're looking at the, mmm. And I'm sitting in the room like, what you mean, mmm? What's mmm mean? No, no, it's good. Mmm, what? I mean, you're just, especially on the first kid, you're just like, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And here's what I discovered. It doesn't end when the baby is born. It's just begun. We, we, we were sitting in the room with Zoe, our firstborn, and, and we, you know, we were, baby was about 24 hours old. I said, hey, we're going to send you home tomorrow. There's just some tests that we have to run on the baby to make sure everything is good. We're like, great. So they come in the room. And they said, okay, we're going to run a hearing test. And I don't, I don't know who this nurse was who was running the hearing test, but there was definitely a supernatural, not from God, gift of fear on her life. She said, this, this is the most important test that your baby will ever take. If, you're, if your baby doesn't pass this test, we can't send you home with her. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a big test. I thought, is she taking the SATs? Is this the MCATs? Like, what in the world is going on? And, and she said, you know, don't worry if she doesn't pass the test the first time. Maybe mucus in her ear will come back in a few hours later. But she, she has to pass this hearing test. And then she leaves to get the machinery. And I'm looking over Zoe. I'm saying, like, okay, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Listen, listen. Okay, we got to prep for the test. What kind of test do you have you don't get to study for? She's only 24 hours old. She has no time. Zoe, let's go. She comes in and she puts these little things on her ears and she tests her hearing and all. That was for the first one. And me and Zai are like standing over Zoe like this. Is she, is she good? Is she good? And by the third one, Jade, that came like five weeks ago, Zai is in the bed sleeping. I'm binging on Netflix. The nurse walks in. We got to do the hair and tell like, mm, whatever. Zai, can you do it in the hallway? I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> the nurse goes, you can always tell parents who it's not the first, because by the third, they don't even care anymore. Why? Because baby's here. 
just what it is. You hyped, you got us the first time. You ain't getting us the third time. Let us know when the test is passed. We've been here before. Get it done. Now, obviously, there's babies that are born without the ability to hear, and I can't imagine the heartbreak of realizing that, that your child is going to have struggles that other kids don't have. But here's the thing. We don't think it's abnormal when a baby can hear because they're just born with an innate ability to hear. Hear me, as a Christian, as a follower of God, you are born again with the innate ability to hear the voice of God. It's not something that's relegated for your pastor. It's not something for the super spiritual folks or the godly folks or the folks that don't have a past. If you are a follower of God, part of the fact of being a follower of God is you can hear God's voice. In John chapter 10, verse 27, it says this, my sheep, somebody say that's me. Even if you don't want to be a sheep, you didn't even know you were a sheep. Somebody say, I'm a sheep. Says, my sheep recognize my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. One of the words that the Bible uses to describe Jesus is the good shepherd. They said he is a shepherd and we are his sheep and he leads us and he guides us. He said, just by the fact that you're my sheep, you have the ability to hear my voice. A lot of the analogies and parables that Jesus would use would be relevant to that time. And in that time, there were shepherds everywhere. You can actually put in a search on YouTube and see a video of what I'm about to describe because it still happens today. But back then, a shepherd would be responsible for 100 sheep, 500 sheep, 1,000 sheep, or whatever it may be. But at night, six, seven, eight different shepherds would put all of their sheep in the same pen. So you have all these sheep that belong to different shepherds, but yet they would put them in the same pen. And then the next morning when they came to lead them out to pasture and the water, let me see how I can do it. I've been practicing all week. The shepherd would come up and go, yole, 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 How's my yodel? It was trash, right? Stick to preaching. Okay. But the shepherd would come and make their call. Watch it on YouTube. It will blow your mind. You will see 2,000 sheep break out into seven groups perfectly because every sheep was trained to recognize not any voice, but the voice of their shepherd. As a follower of God, you have the innate ability to recognize the voice of your good shepherd, God himself. Do you know what the major difference between someone who is an unbeliever and a believer is? Someone who is a Christian and someone who is not a Christian? Pastor, no, I, I'd say we're going to heaven and um, they're going to hell. I think that's the biggest difference. No, that's... Major part of it, but it's not the big, you know the biggest difference is that a believer, a Christian, has a personal relationship with God. The biggest thing that separates an unbeliever from a believer, someone who's a Christian and not a Christian, is not that they believe in God. The Bible says even demons believe in God and they tremble. No, no, no. We have a personal relationship with you. Do you know that Christianity is the only religion that even claims that you can have a personal relationship with God? And hear me, what relationship do you know that is void of communication? What relationship do you know that there is not talking in between whichever the two individuals are? It's not a relationship if it's just a monologue relationships, part of it. Matter of fact, there's this book called The Seven Levels of Intimacy. And it walks you through seven levels of intimacy and watch, none of them are physical. All of them are based on communication. They said the greatest level of intimacy is when you share your fears, your hopes, and your dreams with another individual. It's based on communication. The fact that we have a relationship with God Almighty means that communication is just a part of our relationship. And there's these people that believe that, yeah, God spoke to people in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, but all of a sudden he stops speaking and he doesn't speak to his children anymore. Well, my Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he spoke back then and he's going to speak in the future, he is speaking right now to you and speaking to me. Have you ever seen how long the men and women of God would argue with God in Scripture? Like, not just pray, not just talk. They would argue with him. There's a man by the name of Abraham. 
And God came to Abraham and he said, Sodom and Gomorrah is a wicked city. I'm going to destroy that city. Get all of your family out. It's going down. And Abraham said, God, you don't want to do that. You ever ever been around when a kid talked back to their mom? And it just brought you flashbacks. And you're a grown adult, but you're wincing because you just, you just waiting for that hand to fly. <laughs> Abraham said, God, you don't want to do it. I read that. I said, like, how are you going to talk to God like that? Abraham said, God, you don't want to destroy that country. Here's what we're going to do. If I could find 50 Christians in that country, God, will you spare them? God said, okay, if you can find 50, I won't destroy it. Abraham goes off and he said, one, two, ooh. How about 40, God? 40? God said, 40. Okay, he runs off. That ain't even going to work. 20. Read it. He went down to five. He said, if I could find five Christians in that communion, God, will you spare it? Will you save it? God said, if you could find five, I won't destroy it. And then God destroyed it, which means he couldn't find five. But here is Abraham. Remember Moses? Moses negotiated with God. He said, God said this. He said, I'm tired of Israel's complaining. I'm going to destroy the whole country. Look what Moses said. Moses said, God, you don't want to do that. It's going to make you look bad. (laughs) Moses told God he was going to look. He said, all the world already knows that Israel's your people. If you destroy them, it's going to make you look like a weak God that can't even control your own people. Don't destroy them. God said, okay, fine. Well, let them go into promise land. You go. I'm not coming. Moses said, I'm not going unless you go. God said, okay, fine, I'll come. (laughs) Like these men are having a conversation with God. They are arguing with God. They're holding God accountable to his word. Can I blow your mind? And none of those men were as righteous as you are. Because they did not have the blood of Jesus washing their sins away. The cross had not yet come. They were not temples of the Holy Spirit. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. And they were sacrificing animals, sheep, and goats in representation of Jesus until he came. You're walking in a forgiveness and a righteousness. Watch this. That Abraham never knew of. You have a power on your life that Moses could not comprehend. If God would speak to them. How much more would he not speak to you and to I? We can hear God's voice because we belong to him. The second thing is this. We recognize because of investment. We hear because we're sheep, but we recognize because of investment. Samuel's problem was not his inability to hear God's voice. It's that he didn't know it was God's voice. Can I tell you something? God's been speaking to you from the moment you got saved. Matter of fact, God's been speaking to you even before you got saved. It sounded something like this. Stop it. Come back. You're going to ruin your life. It's not that he's not speaking. It's that we can't recognize him. One of my favorite things growing up was playing sports. It was literally all I lived for. I didn't live for Jesus until I was like 14. But uh, before then, it was soccer. That was my Jesus. It was so bad that my parents would threaten everything in my life by taking away sports. If you're not life, nice to your sister, you can't play soccer. If you don't eat your vegetables, you can't play soccer. If you don't get good, I mean, it was literally, if you want me to do anything, just tell me I can't play sports. And I remember growing up, soccer was my sport, and I would get out there. I was actually pretty good. I don't know why I quit. I got in the wrong crowd. I was like, I want to play football. Football's a good idea. Come on now. That wasn't a good idea at all. There's no grace in this church. Why y'all laughing? <laughs> Evil people. Anyway, so I'd get out there, and we had a soccer match, and there's two, 300 people. And with all these people screaming and yelling and the chaos and all that was going on, the whole time I was playing, I was listening for one voice. I was listening for the voice of my father. And I, I don't know if you ever met my dad, Pastor Ron. He, he's at the Baltimore County campus often, but my dad's not one of those, yeah, type of guys. He's more like a... Do you hear me? He's just kind of a little bit more reserved, a little stoked. Actually, my dad wouldn't even sit in the stands because he was embarrassed of my mom. 
because my mom would run back and forth. She'd yell. She'd scream at the refs and all. My dad's like, I, I don't know who she is. So he would stand over in the corner of the field. And I, I mean, it didn't matter where I was. People are screaming. And all I would hear is up the side, Steven, up the left, up the left. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it. Through ball, through ball, through ball. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, drop back, drop back, drop. All right, all right, get him next time. Good shot, good shot. And I mean, with all this noise, I could recognize my father's voice. Why? Because I lived with him. He spoke to me constantly. Because I had spent so much time with him, I could pick his voice out of a crowd. Some of you are like this. You have certain people in your life that they can call you from a random phone. Now, by the way, if you call me from a random phone, I ain't picking it up. If your name is not in my caller ID, leave a message because I don't know who you are. And Anyway, I got issues. But some of y'all, you actually do weird stuff like pick up phones from you know, calls that you don't have. You picked up the phone and somebody said, hey, how's it going? And you know who it was? Like, going well? Come on. You ever too embarrassed to let them know you didn't save their number in your phone? So you're hoping that they give you some clue? Uh, man, last night was crazy. Where was I last night? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where we were at. Oh, remember when you just tried? Because you, you haven't spent enough time with them. There's other people that can call you. That just there, hey. There's only one person who says hey like that. It's annoying as Jax, but you know exactly who that person is. Oh, all right, all right. Because you've spent so much time with them, you recognize them. How do we expect to recognize God's voice if we're not spending time in places where he's speaking? Can I tell you what Samuel did, right? The Bible says that Samuel made his bed in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. Samuel slept where the presence of God was. Of course he could hear God's voice because he was always around God. That's why we come to church. That's why we read our word. That's why we worship. Because when we put ourselves in atmospheres where God speaks, we begin to recognize his voice. I remember when I was coming up in ministry, when I was learning the voice of God, I would go to revival services, youth conferences, and all that, and I would sit on the front row, and I would watch that man or woman of God like a hawk. I remember I'd be sitting there at a conference, and I would just sense in my spirit, man, I feel like God wants to heal people in this moment. The next thing you know, that man or that woman of God would get up on the mic, hey, there's a spirit of healing in this room right now. If there's sickness in your body, stand up, and God will heal you. And I'd be like, nailed it. I knew that was God. There'll be other times I'd sit there and I'm like, man, I feel like God wants to heal people, but it's just, it's just, it's just off. I'm not quite sure if that, next thing you know, a man or woman of God would stand and say, hey, there's a spirit of healing in this room, but your unforgiveness is keeping God from moving in your life. It's not until you repent, it's not until you forgive or release that bitterness that, and I'm like, ah, I was close, but almost. I was in an atmosphere where I was learning to recognize the voice of God. Can I give you something strong? I'll give you the last one. We'll land this plane. God will never say something to your spirit that contradicts Scripture. God will never tell you to do something that is in contradiction to what he already said in his word. God told me to lie. No, he didn't. End of story. Because he already confirmed it in his word. Don't tell me you can hear the voice of God when you don't know the word of God. Because the word of God is the first place where God has spoken to his people. And it's the first place where we learn to recognize his voice. In Psalm 119, 105, it says this, your word. Somebody say your word. Come on, Baltimore County. Somebody say your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It says that God's word will direct our steps. So watch this. Isaiah 30, verse 21 says this. Your ears shall hear. We're no longer reading now. We're hearing. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. So here's what it's saying, that God's word is going to direct me. I'm going to hear his voice as I make a decision on what house to buy, what spouse to pick, what job to take. But that word that I hear is going to sound a lot like the word that I read. And if I haven't read the word, I'm not going to be able to recognize his voice, which sounds just like his word. Last thing is this, write this down. We're certain because he confirms. We hear because we're his sheep. We recognize because we've invested in that relationship, but we're certain because he confirms. 
So many people, when it comes to hearing the voice of God, you, you, you are on one side of the coin. We have those of you that you are paranoid about getting it wrong. What if it's not God? What if I'm just making this up? What if this is my imagination? What, what, what if it's the enemy? What if it's this? What if it's that? I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm just not going to do anything because I'm not sure if it's God. Then we have those of you that are on the other side of the coin. You are too confident. God said, at least I think he did. It might have been the pizza I ate last night and the fact that I was watching horror movies last night, but I think I'm pretty, you remember those people be telling God, God spoke to me, God spoke to me. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure God does not speak to everybody that much. You hear from God a lot. <laughs> and people are actually cavalier with the voice of God. Can I get up in your grill just for a second? Y'all know the Ten Commandments, right? The top ten, don't do them. One of those Ten Commandments is thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. Can I tell you, I don't think that's talking about don't use God's name as a cuss word. By the way, we probably shouldn't use God's name as a cuss word. I'm just saying. But I don't think that's what it really means. I think when it says thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain, here's what it means. Don't say God told you when he didn't. Because you're using God's name to co-sign something that was never him. Come on, you remember growing up, mommy said, mommy said nothing, but you know if you said mommy said, it would bring just a little bit of, there are people running around churches all over this world. God said, and he ain't say nothing. God said, don't tag my name onto something that I did not say. I'm going to give you something. You can write it down or just memorize it. It's short enough, simple. But it will revolutionize your ability to hear the voice of God. You ready? It's not going to be deep. You're going to think it's juvenile, but I'm telling you, it'll change your life. The God we serve does not play games. Just remember that. The God we serve does not play games. It, it, it's not a spiritual game of Marco Polo. You, you remember Marco Polo? You're in the pool, and everybody got their eyes closed, except for Marco. like, Marco! Polo, Marco, and I'm calling, but I don't want you to find, that's not what God does, follow me, he's not just, guess if it's, he, no, 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 he said, how many times did he call Sam, he called him four times, God will confirm him, he will make it certain to you, so you don't ever have to guess or ask, is this God or not? He said, I will tell you over and over and over and over again until you are confirmed in your spirit that this is me. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 says this. This will be the third time I am coming to you. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. He said, I've been to you three times. And he says, I'm backing up what Scripture said. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. So here's what I'm saying. Before you say God told me, make sure that you have at least two or three confirmations. That there's two or three different places that God has confirmed. Now, let me give you a few things. God is not going to tell you everything in every second of your life. It's not, okay, left foot. That was my right foot, but whatever. Left foot, <laughs> right foot. Turn. Think about it, parents. Do you want to tell your kid everything they have to do? Aren't you hoping at some point they take a bath without you telling them? At some point, will you brush your teeth without me having to ask you? Like, a goal of a parent is that you would actually make some decisions on your own. God is our Heavenly Father. He doesn't want to have to dictate every step that we take. He's not speaking incessantly to us and dominating our lives. But he does want to speak about the major things and what he's doing. So here's what, I'll just tell you how I work it. The amount of confirmations that I need is dependent on the ramifications of the decision. If it's what to eat for dinner, I don't even ask. Some of y'all are real spiritual. You pray for a parking space at a Rundle Mills mall. Like, God bless you. If, you. if you want to pray for your parking space. Some of y'all swear it, how it works too. I'm telling you, well, you the reason why you're going to park is because you pray. Try it. Just pray. Everyone with the people? Just pray. See, you pray. Nothing happens. Well, valet's been there the whole time. Okay. <laughs> so if it's not a big deal, I'm not going to agonize over it. But if it, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you this, but I actually have a, a financial marker. That if it costs me more than this, oh, I need three confirmations. I, I need God to make this certain. Can I tell you how to get those? Th Here's a quick three confirmations. His peace, his spirit speaking to me, his word, and godly counsel. He'll speak in other ways. He'll speak through experiences. He'll speak through open doors and all this other kind of stuff. But the enemy can open doors as well. We know that through doorways and decisions. So I'm looking for a peace 
I'm looking for confirmation in his word, and I'm looking for godly counsel to confirm that it is him. Let's talk about that peace for a second. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and when you ask, do not doubt, because if you doubt, you will not receive, and you will be a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When I am vacillating between two decisions, I know I don't have a peace that is God. So if you have two decisions in front of you, here's what you do. Pick one and see if you can keep your peace. Here's what keeping your peace means. When you wake up on Tuesday, you feel the same way you did about it on Monday. And when you wake up on Wednesday, you're just as certain you're at peace with that decision. You ever made a decision on Monday and it was a great idea? But then on Tuesday, you're like, oh, but what if the other job had a better benefits package? And maybe I should go back and negotiate. And then Wednesday, no, 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 no. This is good. This is good. This is good enough. Thursday, yeah, but what if something else is coming up a week from now? You are double-minded. You don't have peace. Don't move forward. The second is I need confirmation from God's word. Watch this, though. Not just that it's not a sin, but God will give you a confirming verse to back up the decision that you're making. It's the substance of things hoped for. Now, you can imagine, as a senior pastor of this church, I've had to make some decisions that I better get it right. <laughs> this better be God. I, I say this often, outside of preaching, most of what happens in this church, another pastor, a leader, a dream team leader can do, really, I'm here for about five major decisions a year. If I get those five right, we're catapulting forward. The last 10, almost 11 years of leading this church, there's two decisions that, that have been the biggest decision I've made in leading the church. It has literally shifted the trajectory of our church. We're, we're currently in the middle of that second decision, so I'll let you know how that goes. So good so far, but we'll figure that out four years from now. But the other major decision that I made back when I was a pastor of Destiny Church at the time, you may not know this, but Destiny Church was actually launched in Woodlawn, Maryland, five minutes outside of Baltimore City. I took it over from my dad in 2011. For the first three or plus years, the church grew from like 80 people to over 400 people. And it was, was amazing. But about year three, we plateaued. We could not add one more person to the church. It didn't matter how much we prayed, how much we fasted. Nobody was coming except the people that were there. Remember, I just began to sense, I feel like the grace has left, like God's favor, like there's something that needs to shift. So I began to pray and I began to look around. I realized that a lot of the people that were coming to the church were commuting from Howard County and Anne Arundel County and PG County and, and a little bit more Southern Maryland. And, and someone started saying, hey, what if we moved the church south? Let me real transparent, just to give it to you honestly. The thought of moving the church out of Baltimore made me feel like a sellout. You know, Baltimore is where I was born. It was where I was raised. It's where I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It's where my passion for seeing lost people saved came. I know that God called me to bring revival to that region. And I felt like if I left and even came 25 minutes to Howard County, that I was abandoning the people that God had called me to. So I'm here wrestling with this decision. And, and I was talking to a pastor, and he said, well, here's what you need to do. Tomorrow, wake up in the morning and get a word from God. And he said it like it was just easy. Wake up, get a word from God. I'm like, oh, man, how do you do that? And he gave me a process. And I woke up that morning, I got a word from God. Can I give you that process? He said, go into your quiet time and start by worshiping God. Don't ask for anything, just adore him, just worship him, just lift him up. And he said, here's what worship does. It presses down your flesh and it brings up your spirit, man. It brings up the spiritual part of you, your ability to hear from God. He said, when you're finished worshiping five minutes, 15 minutes, or whatever, he said, get a pen and a paper and write out your prayer. He said, don't pray it out loud, write it. And he said, when you write it, write all the reasons why you think it's a good decision, all the reasons why you think it's a bad decision, all your joys, all your fears, write it out. And I sat there and I began to write. Amazing, the stuff that I was writing about is, God, where do you want me to raise my family? Me and I had been married for a few years, but we didn't have any kids yet. God, where, where are we going to buy a house? God, are these the people that you've called us to? God, how are we going to fund it? What, what's going to happen to Baltimore? Because I feel like that's where you've called me to. Step number three. He said, after you're finished writing your prayer, he said, get another piece of paper, grab the same pen, and write God's response to you. Huh? Write what God is saying back to you. Well, if I knew what God was saying back to me, I wouldn't be in this room in the first place. Can I mess with you? 
He said, write what you think God would say. That sounds presumptuous. He said, did scripture not say that you have the mind of Christ? So I did it. I started writing. What would God say? We would say, Stephen, I love you. He would say, Stephen, do you really think I would let you make this decision and seek me and me not speak? He would say, Stephen, I love Baltimore more than you do. I desire for what was Destiny Church at the time to be a greater church than you could ever imagine. So I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. When I was finished, he said, here's the last step. Pray and ask God to give you a verse in scripture to confirm what he said in, in that thing that you wrote out. And as I prayed for that verse, it was like nanoseconds. He said, Jeremiah 29. If you know me, my life verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. So I said, Jeremiah 29. And I despised it because I was like, oh, that's my life verse. That's not God speaking to me. That's just me making it up. And then the Holy Spirit said, don't read 11. Read the whole chapter. And as reading the whole chapter, I come across verse 5. And here's what it says. Build houses and settle down. I was asking God, where are we going to live? He said, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, watch this, and have sons and daughters. Me and Zai didn't have children, and honestly, we were delaying it, waiting for the church to get to a place of stability. And he said, no, no, go ahead and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there. Not here, there. Do not decrease one of the things that I was thinking, if I move the church 25 minutes, will those 40, 400 people come? Or they say, it's too long to drive. We're not going there anymore. I said, no, you're going to increase, not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray for the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Then I went to verse 13. He said this, you will seek me and you'll find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Watch this. And I will bring you back. Here, when I read that, my spirit exploded. And it's like the voice of God just erupted in my heart. And he said, Stephen, I am sending you to Howard County, not to abandon Baltimore, but to get strong and to increase in numbers. And when the time is right, I'm going to send you back with leaders, with money, with prosperity, and revival is going to break out in Baltimore. Watch this. God prophesied the Baltimore County location before we ever came to Howard County. He said, hey, go there, not to abandon, but to build your strength, because I'm gonna send you back. And when I got this confirmation from God's word, this is God, a peace just overwhelmed me. So when I couldn't find a building in Howard County, it didn't matter because I had a peace from his word. God, you said, so it's just a matter of time, and we found a building. And when we couldn't get this permit, and when this didn't happen, because there will always be opposition to what God is getting ready to do in your life. And if you're not certain that it's God, when the opposition comes, you're going to doubt. Come on now. But I have confirmation from his spirit. I have confirmation from the word. And then godly counsel. Never make a decision without running it by someone who's proven in their life that they have the ability to hear from God. The Bible said there is safety in counsel. I know I've called you dumb like 15 times today. Please forgive me. That's not godly, but I'm not God, so you'll be all right. <laughs> you're dumb. If the person you're dating, you haven't let anybody else in your life vet them. Godly people, not ratchet people who can't hear from God. You're crazy if you pack your family up and move to another city and you can ask somebody to pray with you and see if they have a peace about it. We make all these different decisions not realizing that God wants to direct us and lead us in a safe way if we will let him. Can I give you something crazy? God didn't speak to Eli, the head priest. He skipped him and spoke to the little boy. I said, God, why'd you stop speaking to Eli? God said, because he stopped obeying me. I used to speak to him, but after a certain level of success, Eli valued the opinion of people over my voice. Eli valued his own comfort 
and the opinion of his sons over the word of God. Can I tell you, just like we talked about last week with prayer, God's word will get you in trouble. God's word will tell you to do things that your parents don't like. God's word will tell you to do things that your family is like, ugh, you're dropping out of school to become a pastor? What's wrong with you? You're ruining your life. You're embarrassing the family. The question is, am I going to exalt God's word and his voice in my life above anything else? Hebrews 3.15 says this, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. The question is not, can you hear the voice of God? The question is, when you hear the voice of God, how are you going to act? How are you going to respond? Let's pray. Father God, you're great. We're grateful. It blows our mind that the creator of the universe desires to have a relationship with little old me. God, that you desire to speak to me, to lead me, to direct me. Father God, I pray for every single person in the sound of my voice. God, that you would give us a sensitivity. God, some of us are in a position where we're making some of the biggest decisions in our lives, and we need your voice to lead us and guide us. I don't know if you know this, but we end every Sunday the exact same way. This is how we always end. Hey, church, can you pray this prayer out loud? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And literally what that is, is God speak to me. This moment in the service every week is an opportunity for you to lean into the voice of God like never before. It may just be a whisper in your heart of, don't worry, I'm with you. Maybe you're going through a sickness and you just need the healer to say, I'm taking every step with you. Maybe for those of you, what God is saying is, you're not hearing me because you're not my sheep. You, you, you've never surrendered your life to me. You're, you're, you're not a Christian. You may believe in Jesus, but the Bible said even demons believe in Jesus and they tremble. It's not about do you believe in him. It's about have you given him authority and control of your life? Is he the Lord of all? If you're hearing you say, Pastor, I can't say I've surrendered to God. I can't say I've given him full control of my life, but I want to. And this moment is for you. He's just waiting for you to make that decision. He paid the price for your sin on the cross. He's just waiting for you to accept it in your life. You say, Pastor, I want to hear the voice of God. I want to be a child of God. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for wanting me, for seeing me, for pursuing me. Thank you for dying on the cross, rising again, so that all my sin." All my mistakes could be paid for. Today, I surrender. I give you control of all that I am. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person?